the city of San Jose, California, is poised to pass legislation which would impose fees and taxes on the exercise of a constitutional right. And additionally, it would forbid the exercise of this particular constitutional right unless residents had a personal liability insurance policy to exercise a constitutionally protected right. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Before we jump into the story, a little bit about my background so you can determine that perhaps I'm properly positioned to discuss this. First, my firearms background. I'm a former Army Ranger. I have a law enforcement background. I spent the better part of my life instructing in firearms tactics and use of force. And there is an area weapon system that at some point in history I have not instructed on. On the legal side, I have served as a constitutional law advisor for several political campaigns. I have lectured on the 16th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, and the Second Amendment. And I have written the best-selling book in the nation on one of the most complex areas of U.S. law ever. The point being, I am well qualified to speak on constitutional rights, unalienable rights, the limits of government power. Yes, I know today we, we don't actually, many people don't actually believe there are limits, but there are. And I'm well versed to share with you anything concerning the distinction between state authority and federal authority under our system of federalism here in the United States. So with that said, what's going on in San Jose? So the San Jose City Council is about to vote on an ordinance that would impose, if passed, would impose a fee on all gun owners, a tax on all gun owners, and it would bar the constitutional right of owning firearms within the city of San Jose if a resident does not have a personal liability insurance policy. Rather than go through the language of the entire bill, I think a simple statement by the San Jose mayor will make what they're trying to achieve crystal well, I'm sorry, what they're saying they're trying to achieve crystal clear. So Mayor Licardo says, quote, if we cannot stop the horrors of gun violence in our cities, at least we're going to have the public stop paying for it. The Second Amendment protects the right of Americans to own guns but does not require that every other taxpayer pay for that right. Requiring gun owners to pay fees will help fund critical emergency medical and police responses and reduce our taxpayers' burdens. Close quote. Hmm. So if we take this piece of legislation at face value and the mayor's statements at face value, it appears if passed, that the legislation indicates that the City Council of San Jose believes that simply exercising a constitutional right, in this case one particular constitutional right, makes you susceptible to special fees, special taxes, and requirements such as insurance that don't apply to any other unalienable right. So, of course, we know that some people use their mouth, free speech, to commit fraud, a criminal offense. And that fraud is investigated by law enforcement. It then goes to the DA's office. It's assigned to a prosecutor. If they feel that there's sufficient evidence, then they take that to trial. There's the cost of the trial and so forth. All of this being absorbed by the community, by the taxpayers, because somebody misused freedom of speech to commit fraud. 
So then, according to the city of San Jose's logic, every single American who exercises free speech, because remember, in San Jose, they're going to apply fees and taxes and insurance requirements to people who exercise the right. So in this parallel, then I guess in San Jose, they think it would be acceptable to impose fees, taxes, and insurance requirements on anyone who chooses to exercise free speech to cover the taxpayer expense of prosecuting people who misuse free speech and commit crimes. But that really isn't the issue. As you can imagine, I'm a gun owner. And uh, let's just take a big round number, say in the last 30 years, how many government resources, how many government tax dollars have been spent in pursuance of the fact that I own firearms? That would be zero. So again, if I lived in the city of San Jose, apparently that they would think a completely law-abiding person who just happens to own guns, who just happens to exercise their right to keep and bear arms, should somehow be financially culpable for the actions of felons. But again, that's not really the issue. According to Florida's Statistical Analysis Center, 73% of violent crimes are committed with weapons other than firearms. Those other weapons include things like hammers, baseball bats, fists, feet, 73%. That's that's a large percentage not to involve firearms. But under the city of San Jose's logic, I suppose then if you own a hammer or a baseball bat or you are a human being who has fists or you're a human being who has feet, the city of San Jose believes that it could impose fines and taxes and insurance requirements, not because you've ever done anything wrong, simply because you have or own those things. But again, That's not really the issue. All across America, communities pay for things like emergency medical response, police response, prosecutions, etc. Phrased another way, the entire tax base absorbs those costs. However, in San Jose, what we're now going to see if this ordinance passes is that expenses formally in virtually every place in the country absorbed by the entire community, the entire taxpayer base. Instead, now, San Jose wants to punish financially one subset of the taxpayer community and not the tiny, tiny subset that's actually creating the problems, that would be criminals, but on a subset of completely law-abiding citizens who have zero to do with the problem. But again, that's not really the issue. Let's imagine San Jose's approach was applied to subjects other than firearms. We now know with great certainty that eating a significant amount of high glycemic carbohydrates leads to chronic diseases such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, and so on. So imagine if the city of San Jose said, concerning these chronic diseases, we the government are tired of our taxpayers paying for costs of individuals who make lifestyle choices that lead to these chronic diseases and all the costs associated therewith. So the pool of people who would have fees and taxes and insurance mandates placed upon them would be all people who eat, which of course is everyone. But the government then says, no, 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 we're not going to apply this to the entire taxpayer base of eaters. We're going to apply it to just 
a subset. Now, in my particular case, I know something about this subject because I wrote the book on it. Having done so and understanding the science, I eat what's called carnivore style, which means rather than eating a significant amount of high glycemic carbs that lead to the chronic diseases we just discussed, I'm on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. I eat very nearly zero carbs every single day. And I will never get any lifestyle-created chronic disease like heart disease and hypertension and type 2 diabetes and so forth. So under the San Jose model, the government would come along and impose fees, taxes, and insurance requirements on me because I'm not at all a part of the problem. But again, (laughs) that is not the issue. So then, what is the issue? Well, It's the fundamental balancing act between constitutionally protected rights and the restraint they impose on the actions of government. And you don't have to believe me. I want to direct your attention to Murdoch v. Pennsylvania. The citation is 319 U.S. 105, and it was decided in 1943. Let me share with you the salient points from that decision. Number one, A state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution. When it says charge, that means fees, that means taxes, that means requiring you to pay for something, such as an insurance policy, in order to exercise and enjoy that constitutionally protected right. Number two, a tax restrains in advance constitutional liberties and inevitably tends to suppress their exercise. And in Murdoch, the court said, that is impermissible. Of course, the entire purpose of this ordinance, if passed, is to suppress the right to keep and bear arms. They can pitch it any way they want, but every thinking person knows exactly what its true purpose and intent is, and that is to suppress in the city of San Jose the residents' rights to keep and bear arms. As I'm sure you've discerned by now, San Jose's actions, if passed in law, are blatantly unconstitutional and will be challenged immediately, and the outcome is as certain as the fact that the sun will rise tomorrow. Adding to the oddity of this, or perhaps the hypocrisy, is that the mayor of San Jose says the purpose of this bill, which it's nonsense, that's just the way they're pitching it, the purpose of this bill is to reduce the burden on taxpayers. However, we know if if this thing passes one and a half seconds later, there's going to be a lawsuit filed challenging this. And the city of San Jose is going to have significant legal bills from fighting it in the United States District Court, which is the entry-level court in the federal system. And then there's going to be even steeper legal fees when they go to the appellate court. And if they are so foolish, so bullheaded as to take it to the United States Supreme Court, they will end up spending several hundred thousand dollars of San Jose taxpayer money to fight court battles, the conclusions of which are foregone by established case law from the United States Supreme Court. In other words, they're saying this legislation is so that we don't have as great a burden on the taxpayers. But then they're saying, let's throw away taxpayer money to fight legal battles that we cannot possibly win. But hey, you get the government you voted for, and the people of San Jose appear to have wanted in office morons and hypocrites who will waste taxpayer dollars charging at windmills. A few moments ago, I discussed the balance between constitutionally protected rights 
and where they bump into or come in conflict with what the government wants to do. And without getting into the legal standards that are applicable to that sort of conflict, I will say that in the vast majority of cases, the government cannot act against constitutional rights. If you'd like to know more about that, specifically in the context of income tax and why, despite the false societal narrative, Congress has never imposed the income tax on the ordinary American for just this balancing act that we're talking about, the Founding Fathers built boundaries and limits into the federal constitution that have prevented Congress from imposing the income tax on the average American. That's inarguable. It's in the law. You can read it for yourself in Income Tax Shattered Mess, 400 pages, and you will be the expert in the room. I guarantee it. You finish that book, you walk into any room. I don't care if it's a tax with the tax attorneys or accountants, you're going to be the expert in the room because it is explained so clearly. And the law is so consistent over more than a hundred years. The law, as opposed to the public narrative, the law says the same thing time and time and time and time again. Congress has never imposed the income tax on the ordinary American. And the reason for that is exactly what we've been talking about. You should read, you'll find it in income tax under the mission, you should read what the federal courts and the Supreme Court have said about your unalienable right to earn a living, your unalienable right to contract for your labor your unalienable right to contract for the labor of others. And the fact that income is not a privilege subject to taxation. It's all there in the law, crystal clear. The only reason you don't really like know that, and you may have heard that, but the only reason you don't really know it is you've never taken the time to look at it. Imagine if you could read one book and again, be the expert in the room. And then you could decide what you want to do about the government lying and in doing so committing the largest financial crime in the history of the world and whether or not you want to continue to participate. In my case, I checked out of the system. The last income tax return I filed and the last time I paid tax, uh, income tax was 1993. And here I sit. Why? Because the law. And it's not that hard. It's not that complex. The difference is You've never bothered. So I'm going to suggest that you go to drreality.news. If, if you're into things like the right to keep and bear arms, which is one of our fundamental rights, just like the same reason that Congress has never imposed the income tax on the average American, because it would violate our fundamental rights. So the only difference between the income tax and maybe other things you're more familiar with is you've never bothered. So go to drreality.news, pick yourself up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist or Body Science. I, I assure you, if you, either one will be the most fascinating books you have ever read in your life. I'm, I'm, most people tell me it's like the top three to five books they've, either one, the, the top three to five books they've ever read in their entire life. In the case of Income Tax Shattering Mist, the very worst rating it's gotten in the 12 years it's been out is four out of five stars, and vast majority, I'm going to guess in the high 90 percentile, five stars. And the reason for that is not only do people love learning the truth, but they give it five stars because it's laid out in such a clear way that every single American can understand it. So do yourself a favor, run over there, grab yourself a copy of Income Tax, Shattering the Mist, or Body Science. That, by the way, also helps me to continue to be here for you with these fact-based presentations. Thank you.